Football is a game of aesthetics. It's all about what does it look like? Football is a game of tradition. The man who wins the penalty can't take it. <laughs> Football is a game of passion. Oh, bollocks, Villa have scored. And that is why we love it. Fuck me, why is this stupid game back? I think that was a real low point for me in my life. It's time to turn the volume down. Goals scored by new signings are the only ones that count. Penalties don't count, and Mamoru Saku having an absolute howler. That doesn't count either. The worst 90 minutes of football in Premier League history. He's oh, a fraud. Sedan's a fraud. Everyone's favourite statistical fraud. Brendan Rodgers. All about the aesthetics, that's what Absolutely. I like to see. That is just a bit of stat padding. Individual sport masquerading as a team game. Look at his Instagram, he's the ultimate beta male. BBC Sport decided to advertise their TikTok account. Yuck. <laughs> it just doesn't get any better than that. Hello and welcome down to the floodlights this week in the show. Welcome to the era of Manchester City dominance. May I be the first to surrender to our new Sky Blue overlords. The league is over. In other news, Southampton continue their run of losing every game since their manager went full beta and broke down in tears following victory over Liverpool. Matt Luton scored a genuine under the floodlights goal of the season contender, but because it was during Burnley versus Palace, it's more than likely that nobody cares. The league's got a new big Sam striker, Liverpool's latest mental collapse. Does Sebastian Aller know he could have been playing Champions League football at West Ham? And a special shout out to all those people who spent Valentine's Day in a toxic relationship with football. My name's Darren Scott. I'm joined with Bailey Hutchison, Christopher England. Boys, good evening. West Ham are fourth. <laughs> West Ham are fourth. West Ham fourth. At times yeah. recording. At times oh, recording. So, well, Chelsea, actually, Chelsea could go. Chelsea actually, could I think go fifth. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Chelsea yeah. could go above them. Yeah. Yeah. West Ham get Champions League, but boys, big news: Timo Werner has done a goal. Unreal. <laughs> so I suppose that I mean the fairest place to start is um, Manchester City beat Spurs three 0 and on top of that, the teams around them all drop points again. I mean, there this could be laughable how much they're going to win this league by. Um, yeah, I think um, Cancelo and Gundogan in particular, I think both of them should be on the shortlist for the PFA Player of the Year. I don't think um, that's a hot take. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a you real cheers, Jeff kind yeah. of comment. <laughs> you know that, uh, that six-man shortlist they do every year? <laughs> um, but Cancelo in particular, I don't know whether you've sort of noticed, but um, so since they brought so basically, they were 13th or whatever, right, in November or whatever it was. They brought Stones in and they brought Zinchenko in. Changed everything. Uh, because I don't know whether you notice when they play, well, you probably do, uh, when they play, when they're attacking, because Zinchenko is like a midfielder, even though he's left back, they basically play a back three while Cancelo turns into a cam. Mm -hmm. uh, Stones and Diaz clean up and Zinchenko is so good at attacking as well that he can start attacks. So basically, they have no weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, Cancelo's really impressed. Like, he's played left-back, he's played right-back. He has complete freedom to go wherever he wants. Um, yes. Yeah, really good. I um, love watching Cancelo succeed, purely for the fact that this guy was once managed by Gary Neville. <laughs> was he at Valencia? Yeah, he was at Valencia during that spell. So every time Gary sits in the studio in his warm and comfy seat telling us how brilliant he is, you're going, Gary, you wasted this talent. <laughs> like Pep Guardiola is getting results out of this guy now, making him one of the best fullbacks of world football. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, Gary also had, didn't he have um, the guy Rodrigo from Leeds? Wasn't he in Gary Neville's I Valencia side? Did, at I yeah. did indeed. Um, I mean, what, what struck me um, about the Man City Spurs game was like, I mean, those are the games that typically we would associate with Jose. Um, 
not even necessarily. I mean, he does have a very good record in them, but just being like so tough to beat. What mm. was so jarring for me was just how mm. easy it was for City. It's, yeah, it's a complete one eighty from like the reverse fixture. Of this. Yeah, because the exact same game happened that day. Like City were all over Spurs, but Spurs scored two goals, both kind of out of nothing. Really, and that's the Mourinho way in these big games. If you probably get one or two decent chances, you better take them. And at the weekend, Spurs created nothing in that kind of vein, and Man City tore them apart. Mm. I think they have a real issue with players not developing to their potential. Like, I think Ndombele is the only one who's kind of visibly, well, probably Hoiberg, who visibly improved you know, over their time at Spurs. Well, I think any time a goal, a Mourinho team can see a goal, which comes from literally a straight ball launched <laughs> forward by the goalkeeper. Gundogan, like, we talk about how good he's been, oh, yeah. and he has, but, you know, one thing Gundogan is not is, like, you know, noticeably quicker than anybody else or noticeably stronger than anybody else. And he just makes Davidson Sanchez look like a child. <laughs> it was like something out of Star Wars whenever, like, the... The fighters go around and wrap the ropes around the legs, like those four-legged <laughs> drones or whatever it is. It, was that kind of, it actually reminded me a lot of, remember Messi a few years back in the Champions League against Jerome Boateng, where he turned him inside out oh, and his yeah, legs, yeah. his two feet kind of just end up together and just the centre of gravity is <laughs> not there. <laughs> One thing I did want to talk about, just with Man City, and we gave them all this praise about how good they were and they looked really slick and, and you know, obviously Gundogan and some other guys are really coming into some form. I've never seen such a talented group of players have nobody who can hit a penalty. Like, Rodri, yeah. Rodri's yeah, penalty, yeah. I mean, he scored, but he scuffed it. Awful penalty. Like, Awful I don't understand penalty. how, like, this team are so technically good and nobody can strike a ball cleanly from 12 yards and put it into the net with any sort of confidence. I mean, I don't even <laughs> think it's that complicated, especially with the new the new laws about the goalkeeper having to keep a foot on the line. So he's not allowed I... to come out and close the angle. The solution to penalties is literally just kick it hard at the net. <laughs> I think the confidence is shot amongst these boys. I think whenever you start being asked questions, Pep Guardiola was asked questions in the media this week about Ederson taking the penalties. I think whenever, like, as a player, if you hear the goalkeeper is ahead of all of us in the pecking order, it does, I think, between, back. Between, the, between the ears, that gets to you. Yeah, I mean, that also causes, like, logistical problems if the keeper misses and he's 80 yards yeah, further up the pitch. Back. That's a problem. Um... But yeah, I mean, like that. It's just so. It's so odd. Yeah, but yeah. Rodri's not a good striker of a football. Like, yeah, like, you know. He's, yeah, they need um, to get. They need to get Scott Parker in. Get the bag of balls out again. <laughs> Park them down. My uh, my favorite part of that game as well was. I don't know if you noticed at the start when the teams were coming out. Um, uh, Mourinho like high fived Bernardo Silva and Cancelo, and nobody else. You know, Portuguese mates. <laughs> right. Sure, that's the reason why Eric Dyer's in the team, according to Twitter. Yes. <laughs> Twitter loves this rumour that Eric Dyer's only in the team because he grew up in Portugal. <laughs> yeah, in the documentary they spoke Portuguese together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it I, seemed I a little like odd. I like that, yeah. As you brought up uh, John Stones earlier there, Chris, that's, oh, yeah. uh, John Stones has brought up my new favourite segment on Soccer Saturday. I don't know if you've seen with Harry Redknapp. <laughs> His joint soccer Saturday. Harry, Harry's famous for like any time a player's name is mentioned, Harry would always say, "Oh, I tried to sign him. Oh, I had him in a hotel room and I nearly signed him." Because Harry's not been in the game for a while, it started this new thing with Harry where he goes, "Oh, I told Frank to sign him for Chelsea." 
<laughs> Which has worried me a lot, but in my head, in the back of my head, I'm going, Harry Redknapp, a former Tottenham and West Ham man, has been secretly running my football club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Christopher, you, you um, this may shock people to hear, but Chris, you want to talk about Brighton? Listen, I haven't really talked about it because it went, you know, unbeaten in well, six games, is it? Even though some of them are one-one. Who, who could say? Who could say? Yeah, yeah, you know, six games unbeaten or whatever it is, right? So they drew nil-nil with Aston Villa um, at the weekend. Pierce said that. Um, oh, this is literally what he said. You can run the tape. Um, oh well, you know, he's number ten and he's Argentinian, so <laughs> must be good. <laughs> literally, said that. literally said that um, he claimed that Brighton did one over on Villa in this game by drawing nil-nil with Aston Villa um, he said uh, Brighton deserved the victory but it hasn't come and then he said I think every manager in the Premier League realises that Brighton's performances this season have merited more points so Brighton since promotion in 2017 have scored 130 goals in 132 games and in total, even though they've spent more seasons in the Premier League than these teams, have won less games in the Premier League than Reading, Hull, and Nottingham Forest. <laughs> I mean, um, I'm going for to play devil's advocate. I did watch this game, and Brighton, all right. Brighton were very good. I think um, Martinez and Nets for Aston Villa made nine saves. Yeah. Um, and it just goes back to what we've said kind of all season long is that Brighton are literally just missing that sort of focal point up front who'll get sort of 10, 15 a season. Like you look, Fulham fraud and Josh Maja made his debut uh, against Everton and scored two pretty much open goal tap-ins from six yards out. Like With that's, good movement. That's good what, movement. yeah, that's what Brighton need. They just need that guy who's just going to stand there in between the posts and kick in any loose ones. Yeah, not like that's Because, you know, they play great football. Their defence is reasonably solid. Um I actually quite like them. Yeah, well, I did. I sent you guys the, the table based on expected goals, the great stat that is. <laughs> and Brighton were like seventh. Like, this team this team are just underperforming. Like, Potter's doing all he can do. It's the 11 guys on the is pitch. It? It changed the clothing, as Chris mentioned a few weeks ago. He, he did. He did. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, like, no, you are right. And, like, Villa were worse. I mean, Dean Smith was, like, laughing after. He was like, oh, you know, the way, the, we were really bad today. Uh, he actually like said laughing to the um, whoever it was saying, oh, you know, I got into them at half time. <laughs> um, you know, you, I, know I, you can imagine laying into the Villa players. Yeah, uh, Billy, you were talking there about the expected goals stat. You know, the most pointless stat that I saw this week was that if, which is my favourite word in stats, if, yeah. if <laughs> Manchester United didn't have Bruno Fernandez, they would be fifteenth in the table. It was the most pointless statistic yeah, that I it, saw this week. Yeah, it's like if a team does play with ten men on the pitch, well, let me tell you something: if they're you not going to play as well as with eleven. And they were working it out on. Um, they Van based it on his. It was Van uh, Van if you took away his goals and assists. Basically talking about their over reliance on him, which is fine when you have him. <laughs> or you wouldn't have replaced him with anybody else. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, so yes, that was my pointless stat that I saw this week. Um, I love that someone has had to sit down and work that out. Like that's is it somebody's job or is it just like too much free time? I, that's a placement student job. Like some places, <laughs> placement kid that's come in the opta. Mm. I've gone here. I've got. I've got a great one for you. See that Man United team. Take Fernandez out of it and see what happens. Well, it's that or a very lonely <laughs> Valentine's Day, I suppose. Um, do we want to talk about Leicester Liverpool? Great game. We have to. Great oh, game. Do we? 
can, can I can I just say just 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 like I'm not going to rinse Liverpool, you know, much. Well, well, different aspects of it. Um, Kabak, so he's the new the new defender, one of the new defenders. Kabak, he was absolutely sold out by Allison and Thiago. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, what he like, and even in the commentary they were like, oh, you know, he's, he's quite young and he, he's, he's struggling a wee bit in his day. I'm sorry. Those goals were 100% because of Thiago's laziness and because of Allison's. Well, I don't know what he was doing, but well, Allison's howler produced like a great moment of Ali McCoist on Soccer Saturday, <laughs> where like yeah. if you matched what Ali was saying to, like if you didn't know that was a football program and what he was saying, you would have thought there was a mass murder going on. Because he was. Like, Jeff, it gets worse every time I see it. <laughs> and then you're like, no, no, just the goalkeeper's messed up here, and Vardy's gone in for a tapping. Yeah, and and, and like, to, and just before you get into that as well, like we we'll have to say because people keep talking, you know, Liverpool have missed a lot of players, sixteenth different centre back combination or whatever. Who could say? To be fair. Leicester didn't have Fafana, Justin, or Kostakna. Yeah, so like you know, they are three very important players for them as well. So yeah, I mean, and it's completely fair. I think, like, I think it's obvious to a lot of people at, at this point that Liverpool's problem is entirely mental. It's between the ears. Yes. Um, like, if you look at all of these individual games, you you actually like can't really fault a, a problem. You look at the Leicester game for seventy eight minutes, completely outplayed them. Leicester were awful in the first half, no danger at all. Um, you look at the same thing they played Man City they didn't play very well but they limited City to, to very little they were unlucky against Burnley with a penalty a couple of Allison mistakes against City and again um, against Leicester like if you were to take all of these games as isolated events you would just say it's unlucky the problem that Liverpool have is that when these isolated events happen one after another <laughs> then they aren't isolated anymore that's called a pattern and that's mm-hmm. a problem and Liverpool went 1-0 up in this game and, and then completely capitulated mentally and I think you know I don't really want to go in too much to the, the Liverpool performance side of things because it's been well documented and everyone knows the issue they have. I want to talk about the effect that it's having on Liverpool fans and I'll speak on behalf of all of them as I often do. And you're um, a monolith, Suiza. <laughs> but but Liverpool, Liverpool fans are lost at sea. You know, yeah. like we're on the boat. You know, we've got guys over there reading some maps. We've got some guys over here looking through telescopes. We're just desperately searching for some island in the distance that we can take shelter on. And sort of in this search of feeling safe, I've been doing some research, as is my want, into um, Uh, team development and how norms and cohesiveness can affect performance. And uh, I've come across Bruce Tuckman. Bruce Tuckman, perhaps? (laughs) Who who could say? That sounds Um, like it's been a great Valentine's Day this week. (laughs) Who could say? Um, So he's an educational psychologist, and he identified a five-stage development process that most teams follow to become high-performing. So he's called the stages forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning. I quite like this. Oh, no, he hasn't. He has. So teams will progress through all of those stages. The forming stage involves a period of orientation and getting acquainted. There's a lot of uncertainty in this stage. Once you make it past that, you go into the storming stage. And this is a period marked by conflict and competition as individual personalities emerge. Team performance may actually decrease during this stage because energy is being put into unproductive activities. If you can get past this again, you progress into the norming stage, which is where a consensus develops around who the leaders in the team are and what the individual roles of other team members are. Interpersonal differences begin to become resolved and a sense of cohesion and unity emerges. Team performance begins to increase during this stage as members learn to cooperate and begin to focus on the goal. 
If they can make it through this, then they go into the performing stage. This is the consensus and cooperation have been well established. The team is mature, organized, and well functioning. There is a clear and stable structure, and members are committed to a shared goal. When teams achieve this, you then move into the adjoining stage, and that's where I'll get on to Liverpool. This is where the team's goals have been accomplished. There may be regret as the team comes to an end, so a ceremonial acknowledgement of the work and success that the team has achieved may be helpful. Team members may be replaced by new people, and the team can go back to the forming or storming stage, and they can just repeat this process. And I think that's the stage Liverpool are in, the adjoining stage. Their team goals have been met. They've won the Champions League. They've won the Premier League. You know, it talks about a ceremonial acknowledgement of the work and success that the team have had. We've got the documentary on Sky, End of the Storm. You can go and watch that if that's your want. But the important bit for me is that team members may need to be replaced by new people and to go back to the beginning of the process. So it would appear that what Liverpool did was fine, but that team is now redundant. That team now needs bodies out, new bodies in. I want to feel safe again. <laughs> Liverpool safe again. If we ever do merch... That's what I'm putting uh, on caps, like in the Trump style. Yes, I just yes, want to yeah, make yeah. Liverpool safe again. Well, this, yeah, because it's one of the funny things about I've experienced it for quite some time. Chelsea having a somewhat dodgy goalkeeper. The stat mm. emerged this weekend that Allison actually has more errors leading to goal than Kepa. By far, Kepa has three. Allison has eight. Like that is tough to watch. Whenever at any moment you're going, oh, this keeper could. Let us do- and he, to be fair, Allison doesn't for like a long period of time. I thought he's the best goalkeeper in the league, and he's just going through a patch. But whenever you're watching that patch, and every moment the ball goes near him, you're going, "How is he going to mess this up?" It's terrible as a fan to watch. You don't feel safe. Well, I, I think there's something in what you're saying, Darren. And it's not the same, but I think there's a lot of similarities with it. When after Leicester won the league, uh, because the season after. They just had the weirdest wild ride, sacking Ranieri, almost got relegated, quarterfinals of the championship. You know, they, they didn't know what they're, they'd achieved at all. The, mm-hmm. what, what, what more is there to do? But now it's far enough away that um, Leicester have, uh, you know, it's far away from that again that they're now competing in a different way again. Yeah. Um, but, but Liverpool's just, it's too soon. Um, it's like I think it's a it's a fatigue thing you know it's like you know they've competed at such a high level for a few years like they're going to be a bit worn out by that it's the same group really for the last couple of years yeah and um, like in a normal season if you fall off the pace of it it's okay because there's usually such a gap really between the top six and everyone else that you can kind of drop off and still kind of be in the push for top four the way this season's going with the fact that like West Ham are up there Villa's up there Everton's up there um the drop-off in form could actually result in you being like ninth, just like that, and that's oh, I think the panic. Um, I'll tell you what. One thing that hasn't been worn out though is Jordan Henderson's mouth. <laughs> Go that boy. <laughs> the not see the absolute tune he gave Thiago for giving away that file on the edge of the box. The back I did see this. Back because Thiago is Thiago is no in the tackle. It's oh. rash. Yeah. <laughs> Especially this is one of these you can. He can definitely see the line of the penalty area. Mm. <laughs> Basics of the game. Yeah. Don't dive in there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we could get into conversations around, I don't know what you guys thought of the, the VAR decision, um, oh, but wherever they put the Liverpool line, 
Like, that is objectively <laughs> incorrect. Like, there is no Liverpool body part touching the line that they put down there. Oh, the, you're talking about the Madison goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you, yeah. and it's arbitrary like, and it kind of doesn't matter, which is why I'm not hung up on it. But, but I looked at yeah. it and I was like, even, like, you just look at it and you think, oh, it doesn't look right. I, I still yeah. can't work out looking at the picture. What anyone's drawn a line yeah. down from? Like, I can't even Well, Marty's hand was over the line. Like, Marty was <laughs> offside by his arm, technically. But, I yeah, like but it's he was deemed onside because like where they put the Liverpool line down, they said, "Oh, there's a Liverpool <laughs> yeah, player yeah. here." But then when you looked yeah. at it, you're like, "Oh, there isn't." <laughs> yeah, I can't see the Liverpool body. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> like, which one but, of these lads are you picking? Come on, you know. But what did you think of Kabak, Darren? I mean, I'm not going to judge the guy based on a game. I didn't really think it. Like again, I don't think he had that much to do. Like certainly for the first hour of the game, you know, the ball. He struggled a bit with Vardy, I think, but. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Vardy ran in behind a couple of times, which you know you're going to get with him. The one with Allison, that's like a that's like oh, that an amateur league communication yeah. thing. Like somebody <laughs> yeah. shouts Ali's ball yeah. or or whatever. Um, I don't think he was at fault for the third one either. Like that no. comes from Salah giving the ball away in the halfway line, um, which you can't uh, do. Tiago not tracking. Yeah, 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 which you can't do when you push fullbacks high. If you give it away in a stupid area, you're exposed. Yep. Um, so good I don't head of hair on the lad. Good head of hair on. I mean, like think? my immediate instinct, like I don't get that safe feeling. So, <laughs> but that doesn't, you know, we'll see what could come. Um, but yeah, I mean, Leicester pushing right on now. Brendan Rodgers. I still, Please. I just have the feeling this lot are going to bottle it. I really do. Bailey. Honestly, there's on. just something about this team where I'm like, I, I keep what? looking up the table as a Chelsea fan going, we'll have them. They're, they're gettable. Yeah. I don't know what it is because I, I get at the team. Fantastic midfield. Decent defence, Vardy will get goals. Harvey Barnes is on the plane ever since Chris slagged him off. <laughs> Harvey Barnes is on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I just keep looking up going, ah, we'll overtake them at some point. Yeah, and Chelsea, I mean, at time of recording, what is it, 2-0 currently? Still 2-0, yeah. Still 2-0. That takes Chelsea, what, up into fourth? Four points behind United and Leicester, yeah. And United, that segues quite nicely into... Um, Manchester United played West Brom this week. Um, Great game. Suffered, well, I say suffered. They drew 1-1, so dropping two points. Um, were 1-0 down after about 90 seconds. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And by Diagna may have become my new favourite player in the Premier League. Absolutely Alfred Lindelof and Maguire. Um, but that, that first goal. Mm. Um, oh, like, he, he went, like... It's such a good header for a start, but he's like going in behind. And Maguire afterwards saying it was a foul. Get a grip, son. Get a grip. That was very Roy Keane, the way you said a foul there, Carlos. I, th- I, thought, the Ma- I thought the Maguire was very Roy Keane yeah. as well. I am just waiting on. He's a senior international, come on. I think I said to you guys in the group chat, the, uh, the West Brom striker completely daddied Lindelof. That's the verb that I think I used. It, it, it really had sort of a feeling of, you know, go upstairs, son, the adults are playing down yeah, you know, oh. yeah. This guy does just have the Sam Allardyce like random scouting department written all over him. Like I can guarantee Big Sam loves no a scout. Yeah. No other club in world football had identified this lad. I can guarantee <laughs> you that now. But Big Sam's had his eye on him for ages going, he'll get five. Mm. Yeah, and then this guy in CDM, whose first name is okay, um <laughs> had an absolute blinder. Yeah, he yeah. did, yeah. Well, it was bad day at the office for Man United, especially considering where, where United have been and the fact that Maguire came out and 
still believes Man United are in a title race. <laughs> awful day at the office whenever West Brom, who have been in hideous form at times since Sam has come in, like, keep you at bay for 90 minutes, really. Yeah. So, because yeah, so after Harry Maguire got destroyed by Diagna during the whole game and only scored, didn't score a hat trick because of his um, misses. Um, so, in one of those chances, he kind of like outmuscled Maguire very easily because Maguire just tumbled to the ground. And then he comes out afterwards, right? And he, so he says Lindelof is a foul, and then he says probably about his own refs aren't giving us decisions because we're Man United. Aww. I mean, I mean. The irony abounds, you know, uh, for <laughs> yeah. a Man United player to yeah. say that. A million like Harry Maguire. A million penalties in the last 12 months. <laughs> a million. Days. I mean, it's that like, classic uh, thing. It's like, we're, as, as fans, who, as non-fans of mine now, sorry, we're learning that. I go, oh, Man United get some decisions given their way. <laughs> and then one time they don't get given decisions, Maguire's gone, oh, we don't get any, ever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Maguire, I, I've noticed this about him. And again, this is based on very small sample size. So this could be completely Incorrect, but um, I have noticed that he, in a couple of, a couple of times in the West Brom game, he kind of he'll like play a pass and then there's minimal contact, but he goes over like he's look, he's like become this yes. sort of new centre back mold yeah. of centre backs who still want to win fouls as it's like a good way of relieving pressure. Yeah, but yeah, there there is like he's so old, bad at it. Though. Yeah, the old fashioned party who goes like, you know, you're a pretty big guy, like yeah. just deal with it with your physical attributes. Yeah. Yeah, if Chris Wilder was managing him, he'd have an issue yeah. with him. Yeah, he wouldn't make it at Burnley. So, I don't know, <laughs> you know, if Tarkovsky done anything like that, be straight Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the, the result leaves, um, leaves Manchester United on 46 points. Manchester City are on 53 with a game in hand, which I think it's fair for us to assume they'll win it. Um, <laughs> so we could say sort of 56. That's a 10-point gap. It's, it's not even so much that... I don't see United being able to close a 10-point gap. It's just more that I don't see City dropping yeah. anywhere near 10 points. What's it, well, like, I, I can't see Leicester and United being the ones who are going to beat them either. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, mm, yeah. Like a City team is just too good at football. Like even with Gundogan going down at the weekend, injured, you're going, well, we'll be all right. The Bruyne will be back soon enough. Focus, <laughs> kind of blind. They're like, this team are just... They're stacked. Yeah, you just can't stop them. There's so many guys. We still don't know about Ferran Torres, do we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm sure he's good, but yeah, yeah, we don't know. He might actually uh, get a run out now. Um, something I did want to touch on uh, with with Manchester United is, um, and it pains me to say it every week, a good goal by Bruno Fernandez. Looked uh, nice, yes. struck it well. I'm yeah. starting to like the passion he shows when he scores goals as well, which annoys me. It's really annoying the change of mind we've had. On. <sighs> But there was a lot. There, but there was a lot of a lot of, bat, a lot of body language in this game, though, from Bruno. I don't know if you picked up on that. Yeah, bits and pieces. Mm, you know, better, better individual masquerade. You know, yeah. You know, finger pointing. I'm doing my bit. I talked a little bit there about about Bruno Fernandez and his goal. It was a good week for good goals in the yeah. Premier League. Um, I know we're not talking about the game specifically. Danny Ings strike for the Ding. first Southampton goal. Brilliant. Um, Pedro Neto oh, for the winner. Oh. Yeah. Great bit of skill. Yeah, he looks a player. Um, one other thing from that game that I found interesting: um, Ram Bertrand obviously got um, yeah. a handball decision given against him that led to the the first Wolves penalty. I love that in like the world of VAR, he still tried to play the old like nineteen ninety nine pretend I've been hit in the face. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's clocked that. He goes down. Yeah, it's like yeah. there's a million cameras around this stadium. Uh, uh, man, good experience. Yeah. yeah. Um. The there was a goal in the um, Leeds Arsenal game. Well, there was a few goals in the Leeds Arsenal game, but the <laughs> the Leeds is it Struich? The centre back. Strike. 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 Whatever. Good header. Um, bullet header. That's what yeah. I was going to say. It was a great one. Yeah. Um. So it was a good week for some. I, good I, oh, and then also... obviously the Luton. Cool. Well, well, well. Also, Darren, uh, player of the season, Jack Harrison in the Monday night game as well against Palace. Another good, great finish. Yeah, completely. The the Matt Lowton goal was like Matt Lowton. I mean, picks it up around the halfway line, drives on forward, Daddy's Van Anholt, which is poor. That was, you know, pa- that was yeah, pathetic. that's poor. <laughs> you need to look at that. And you just need to look at that and do better. And then plays the pass in field. Somebody flicks it back to him. And just catches it as sweet as you like on the volley. And it's, I love this, and it doesn't happen that much in professional football because everyone's quite good. But you can tell when the reaction <laughs> of the teammates yes. are kind of like, oh, holy yeah, shit, I can't, yeah. be- I can't believe he's done that. Yeah. It's Luton, very amateur league. Luton only scores bangers because he's only ever <laughs> scored two. And his last <laughs> one before this for Villa was like a similar one where it was just a volley and everyone kind of went, how on earth? We've <laughs> never seen you do that in training. It's just because, like, he is—he is your bog standard Premier League right back, Matt Luke. Oh, you know, it, no, nothing special. Yeah. does everything basic. You know, mm-hmm. just you know, pretty average. But like that goal against Villa, that or sorry, against Stoke for Villa that they all brought up because of this. I mean, that is one of the best goals in Premier League history. <laughs> no exaggeration. I thought a nice wee touch in that, and that was during like the mock, like Lambert Sherwood, you know, phase. Um, oh, what a nice wee tidbit about that. Him and Ashley Westwood were Aston Villa teammates and celebrated that goal together. And then in this Burnley game, seven or eight years later, they celebrated together again. I thought that was nice. quite nice. Lovely. That's good stuff. Good name friendship. A, name a more yeah. iconic duo. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that was that was a serious Brexit ball game of football between <laughs> Palace and Burnley. So the Palace are yeah. muck. Palace like, are absolute muck. Palace for, are for people who might listen to this and like might be just getting into the Premier League or something, if you want to know what this league is all about, you watch Palace Burnley, two teams, four four two. No nonsense. That's what this league is. Mm. None of this Man City nonsense where they pass it around, 90% possession. You watch two, four, four, two teams just kick lumps out of each other. Yeah. Like, have we actually talked about Crystal Palace the whole season? I think Roy got a mention at one yes. point in an earlier episode, um, just because we quite like him. Like, their the, the thing was, like, they played 18 games without Zaha, or, or they played 20 games and the 18 lost without Zaha or something. Like, they're just still one man team. Like, and they, they are trying their best to like replace him. And like, they are like, as he's good, as he's good, like, yeah. going with like a front two and everything of Benteke and Batshuayi just to like, get strikers on the pitch. And Eze is a top, top player. I think striker probably more so than any other position in the Premier League, there is such a jarring difference between like those who are <laughs> good enough for the level and just those who <laughs> yeah. aren't. There's very few kind of in that middle ground. It's like yeah. you're either in the Aguero, uh, Bamford, Vardy, yeah, Vardy yeah, Rashford. Yeah. You're either in that camp. And then you're, and then you're Barnes. Yeah. And then you're like Barnes. Um, Mopai. Yeah. Like these boys who are just, you know, really not cut for it. Mitrovic. <laughs> Mitrovic. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Chris, you mentioned, uh, we talked about the good goals this week. You, you talked about how um, there was also a few bloopers, a few cock-ups this week. A lot of good bloopers. Um, got a couple for us. 
Jordan Ayew had the double glove. Don't know if you noticed this. Uh, he went in for a tackle and his glove came off. But he had another glove on underneath. <laughs> oh, is that what happened? I noticed the glove come off. I'm like, right. double, who's double glove? That? Double glove Ayew. You know. <laughs> I was like looking around for a player with one glove on. Didn't see. I was like, well, someone go pick that up. Oh, so he had double gloves. Right. Uh, and also, <laughs> it, was, it was obviously you know, a good time for it because right before the game, um, Sean Dyche, as he was walking out, he gave away a wee behind-the-knee nip to Big Shorts Lewington, uh, the Crystal Palace assistant coach who always wears shorts. <laughs> Just gave him a wee nip. Um, that guy and, also uh, has a mouth on. Yeah, again, like the parallels between the Premier League and the Amateur League are just, they're, they're the same thing essentially, but the Premier League boys are just a bit better. <laughs> the behaviour's all the same. Absolutely. And, uh, the other one was, um, why, why do referees sometimes have oval-shaped cards? I'm with oh. you on this. I don't like this at all. Well, you know, you'd think that that's like a thing they could sort out. Yeah. You know? It doesn't even, like, do they have oval-shaped pockets for them? Because you know what <laughs> you I mean? Like, <laughs> Why is it a thing? It yeah. shouldn't be a thing. I'm with you no, it's it's never... <laughs> I that seems like very, like, South American or something. Like, that doesn't seem like a Premier League thing. That yeah. seems like it's from elsewhere. And you, you would see it in, like, a random game on, like, ESPN. Yeah. Yes. Going, oh, oh, I mean, this lot this oval cards. Like everything about it. Are we still in the days where the referees write the name or the number of the player they're booking <laughs> on the back of the card again? If that's circular, you know, do you start in the middle? Do you start out? It's a mess. <laughs> I'm with you on this 100%, Chris. This no, needs I, to be done away with. No, it's a shambles. And the, the, the last one isn't, well, it may be funny for some people. I thought it was borderline the worst thing I've ever seen in my life, which was when Jamie Vardy scored. He then picked up the corner flag and strummed it mm. like an air guitar. <laughs> Again, it's like no other workplace. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing worse than whenever your team concede. Like you just want to see like a normal celebration out yeah. of them. Whenever someone does that to your team, it's a real kick in the balls. But it, it's even the way he scored the goal. Like if yeah, it was Manchester yeah. City, as soon as the ball fell to like Gundogan, Gundogan would have just sort of passed it into the middle of the net, couple of steps, jog off to the right, and then you know turn and high five all the boys as they come up. Vardy, as soon as he knew he had an open goal, sprints as fast as he can and <laughs> blasts the ball into the net from three yards out. <laughs> it was just horrible to watch. Wish the pummel was that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Just on them quickly before we go into um, to in the mud, like Aubameyang back in the team, hat trick, first hat trick. He said in his interview he's going to give the ball to his kids, which made me think, have you not got them a football already? <laughs> which I thought was, was a bit odd. Decent salary and you're a footballer. Would have thought there might have been a few of those kicking around the house. Well, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good guy, remember? That, that stems back to, like, remember the Tony Cruz beef he had? Oh, oh, yeah, I have yeah. I have kids, so me putting on a mask after I score is okay. Well, well goes back to that. Um, we talked about Ferran Torres there, about players that we know nothing about. Anyone, Odegaard, is he any good? Uh, He's class on YouTube. Like, if you look at his <laughs> highlights whenever he was 15, what a player. Right. Yeah, for, for, from what I understand, he, he like seriously dropped off at Real Madrid because of the signing when he was like 15 or whatever, and it was all, you know, the big story and whatever. But apparently he's picked up a wee bit again. Being on the yeah, apparently, it's saucy that he, he was a player. Yeah, don't no, get I, me I, wrong. Don't, I didn't obviously watch him week in, week out. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not slating him with that question at all. It's just that he's genuinely another one of these people I, I just know nothing about. And I think mm. Arsenal, um, because they were when when they were really struggling um, earlier on in the season, you know, lots, people, lots of people were talking about Arsenal. Now that they've kind of steadied the ship and they're sort of in that mid table obscurity, okay. it's like, who cares? 
<laughs> I, like I, they're just what what they're so mediocre. Like what are like I, I'm I'm sorry. Like it just shows you how good Arshin Wenger was. I'll leave it at that. I also, it's strange for me to see a lone player go in a club as big as Arsenal and take a shirt number, like 11. Like that's the Ozil's like, number? Like surely a first-teamer, like a half-decent first-teamer should be getting that number, just based on the look of it. Not mm. some guy who's going to hang around for six months yeah, and go back yeah. to the sun. I think that's a good point. I do. Um, Bailey, in the mud this week, interesting one. Yeah, with a, with a few updates from previous weeks so Excellent. first of all is Wayne Lineker his his <laughs> oh. series of celebs go dating started last night so everyone tune in so I'm not the only one wasting my time did you how did he get on I've no idea I'm, I'm saving them this okay. week so I am well, sorry he's a participant or it's his show no participant he, he's a participant oh, living right. in a mansion with other Z-listers to try and find oh, love goodness gracious but mainly me. also just get a half decent pay packet uh, the, <laughs> And then we'll go to uh, Brazilian football because oh, some bad news for anyone playing Corinthians. Taylor Swift Swift is releasing more music. And unfortunately for this lot, that <laughs> this in- is back to the tedious link. <laughs> <laughs> so it is. Uh, just so everyone knows, normally you have like two to three years between albums. Taylor Swift is now re-releasing her first five albums. Shirt in the mouth. Just. Due to getting control back of her own music after they were sold oh, yeah. away. So uh, the first of this lot is coming out on April 9th, just in time for Corinthians to play Santos. They're the only team, only other team in Brazilian football I've actually heard of. <laughs> so they are. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that one goes. And then oh, uh, we've got some coaching stories in. So, we, did, we, did ask oh, did people, we? we did ask people for these. Oh, excellent. Yes. And... Uh, for this one, we're going over to the world of rugby, a sport where people legitimately celebrate winning a tournament that only has six teams in it. <laughs> in, fo- in football, a sport that people actually watch, we call that a group stage. <laughs> actually, the, the Confederations Cup has more flip sake. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, thanks to Rand for sending this one. And Chris, I'm led to believe you were actually involved in this game as well. So oh, might be able to give us a bit me. more. Right. So, so Ram messaged me saying, so we, so we were away to Bambridge on a rainy Saturday morning. Standard shite. Uh, <laughs> Bambridge out half had a real bit of flair about him. Played with purpose and looked good doing it. Was running the show in the first half, scoring a try and just in general, completely running the game. Halftime team talk, our coach. Not even a coach, but formal, former pupil helping out. Was not happy <laughs> yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, 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 and yeah, said yeah. to our back row, "You are making him look like he plays professionally, but he's actually shite. You haven't gotten near him in the second half from the start. I want you up in his face." Well, in the end, he was completely shut down in the second half. No space to breathe due to the aforementioned back row player <laughs> demolishing him after trailing at half time. We ended winning comfortably, and Mister Out Half was shite. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much, Ryan, for sending that in. I, I, I think I know exactly the game he's referring to. I do remember that, yes. Bailey, just for the sake of ego, there's a crucial line in that that you didn't read out? Oh, yes. There's a message just after saying Chris was definitely involved, but Darren probably thought he was too good to play with us. Might have been up with the big boys at that point. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll point out that was a that was a second 15 match, so yeah. that's, that's all the context yeah. you need to know. Yeah. I wasn't I, playing with those boys. Uh, Darren was scared he was getting his hair wet that weekend. <laughs> Thanks for that, Ryan. 
That's a great one. Like, if anyone else has anything along those lines, please send it my way. That made my day. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Chris, do you remember any others from your time in rugby? Well, any other just weird manager motivation? <laughs> like, what I would talk about is, is um, it actually links a little bit to Tukal. Um, Tukal said today, I think, that, um, you know, he, he's not afraid to be a shouter. I think he described himself as a shouter. And, and he said, like, I'll never you know, call anybody out for a mistake that they've made or shout at anybody in front of the group, but I will, you know, take opportunities to teach somebody. I'll do that in <laughs> front of the team. Um, and that's something that, that we used to do a lot in the old rugby days. There was video analysis yeah. at lunch times where basically you were, if you knew that you'd made a mistake on the Saturday, you had to play the rest of the game hoping that somebody cocked up more. <laughs> so that you weren't going to be the airtime because there was definitely a culture in the squad, not because of the players, but more perhaps because of the coach, um, of if you make a mistake, we'll watch it probably 15 times and <laughs> questions will be asked of you. Why did you do that? I don't yeah. know. Well, that's not good enough. Yeah, I, I, I do have to say. Watch it like, again and tell me again. <laughs> yeah, Ryan might actually remember this, that um, – I was the I was the captain of the seconds team in my final year. Love, um, love your leadership. Were you in it? Uh, <laughs> well, we'll get on to it. Um, and we were playing in. It's the, not relevant the, to the story, is it? I, I actually think I actually think Billy, you might Billy, you might have been at this game as a spectator. <laughs> um, we we were playing in the the cup, like the cup competition against the school that uh, in their first team got to the final of the school's cup. So they were, you know they were a pretty good team, good outfit. Um, <laughs> the coach sends us back into the um, the changing room, uh, and, uh, and so then I have to give like you know the you know the captain, so I have to give the talk that um, that, that motivates everyone to go out and play play really well. Did you, mate? I'm I, I'm not joking. That was the worst team talk uh, ever given. <laughs> I, I I stuttered. I had no idea what I was going to say next. I had nothing to go on because I knew we were going to lose. Um, and it was it was so horrendous. Yeah. Mm. But the point of the story and reading between the lines, the bit that you want you know the listeners of this podcast to know is that you were the captain of a sports team. That's the moral of the story, correct? It, it it's a stunning fact about myself. Yes, I no, was. It's funny. I actually do recall from my perspective what happened around this time was I I remember Chris looking at the fixtures of this cup competition and telling me, Billy, we've a legitimate chance of winning this. Now, I did go and see this game because Chris told me they're going all the way and I wanted the bandwagon upon this success. Is that why? Is that why? I, did I tell you that, that we were going to beat Walsh? You told said. everyone this, that you were winning this competition, that you were going to lift up silverware. And then, of course, being the superstitious fellow that I am, I never saw you lot win a game. I knew, I knew that if I turned up, it was going to be a disaster, but I didn't I do, know. Yeah. <laughs> I do think I almost got sent off in the previous round. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's a bit too much ruggers chat there. Yeah, we've gotten off topic. Wow, yeah. Off topic of brand. We're, Science, we're talking about yeah. an irrelevant sport here. Let's yeah. get back Sorry, to the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that pretty much brings us to um, the end of today. I do have one little gripe that I would oh. like to um, oh. mention, and this is not at any of you. This is actually just whoever... Um, is responsible for the Premier League highlights. Oh, um, what, what, what were on YouTube? On, or? On, on YouTube, yes. Um, naturally, uh, the match of the day highlights are seven to ten minutes long, and that yeah. for me is far too much time to spend watching nil nils <laughs> and things like that. I don't understand how 
Arsenal versus Leeds, a game in which there were six goals. The highlights are three minutes and three seconds long. Brighton Aston Villa was nil nil and still has two minutes and fifty eight seconds of highlights. Brilliant. Brilliant. No logic. Because when I was watching those earlier, I kind of thought, what a waste of time. <laughs> so if if I could get just if this the person who works at the Premier League is perhaps listening, then we kept cut the irrelevant ones down as short as possible. And if there's games where there are goals, let's see them. Definitely, definitely a Leeds fan in charge of that. Just trying to gloss over the melee mistakes. Oh, messy. Yeah. Anyway, boys, I think that's uh, <clears throat> I think that's us for today. Good week. Chelsea are top four now, boys. What a day. There you go. Yeah, we were top four for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> I it remember is quite competitive between our three teams, which I think is quite good. Oh, it, it is. Perhaps so- competitive between your two. <laughs> nothing, nothing very much competitive about the Liverpool boys. Adjourning. <laughs> Adjourning. Adjourning, Darren, surely. No? Who could say? See you next week. <laughs>